This podcast is brought to you by the Specialty Produce Network. Hi there, and welcome to the Living Local with Edible San Diego podcast. My name is Katie Stokes, and as publisher of Edible San Diego, I wanted to welcome you to a new and important conversation. San Diego County really is a global crossroads, and when you think about it, it's true all the way down to even our very own bodies. In this podcast, we're going to take this concept of we are what we eat, and we're going to unpack it together. We're going to look at what local is, how it works, why it matters. My goal is to create a conversation which is inclusive, dynamic, and one that enriches our everyday life. So I wanted to welcome you to this new conversation, Living Local with Edible San Diego, and to thank Specialty Produce for producing this podcast. Hello, everybody. This is Katie Stokes, publisher of Edible San Diego, here with another episode of Living Local Podcast. And I'm so excited to have another publisher with me today. I'd like to welcome Mike Chess, who's the publisher of West Coaster Beverage News. So thanks for being here, Mike. Thank you very much for having me. This is an awesome studio. Yeah, Specialty Produce's podcast studio is fantastic. and, And we love to come here and talk with interesting folks like yourself. Well, happy to be here. Thanks for having me. <laughs> so I thought we might start with something biographical, Mike. Tell us about you and, and what brings you to publishing a magazine about local beverages. Uh, I grew up in San Diego, so that had a obviously a very interesting in my hometown. Um, we got started my, – my family's background is in media. My dad's, you know, graduate of San Diego State, the journalism department there, and he's worked for San Diego Magazine. And that was my first internship was the San Diego – I knew I'd be in media somehow. Mm-hmm. So um, – you know, what started as I grew up, I started getting more interested in beer. That's how it started is, um, you know, we found out there was a local beer scene. And then once we started pulling at that thread, what else is local? Okay, well, now there's coffee too and there's wine and spirits and you just kept going. and It keeps getting deeper and deeper. And now, um, you know, almost 10 years in, we started the magazine in uh, 2010. So, you know, I've just – it just keeps going. It's like a tip of the iceberg. Once I started with the beer, I just kept going. Mm-hmm. And um, it's really just a passion for the hometown product is that, um, you know, we, we make – San Diego doesn't get a reputation as a city of innovation and makers for – you know, it's kind of behind San Francisco and L.A. And it's not what people think things happen, I, and un- unfortunately. But, you know, that's just not true. Right. And so it's, um, you know, interested in promoting San Diego. That's awesome. That is really awesome. Hometown pride. That's it. Hometown pride. And, and of course, with Edible San Diego, we're all about local. This is all so, you know, related to what, what gets us all excited too, Mike. It's really great. And so I know you've got some awesome team members. Tell tell everybody about your team. Well, my business partner is uh, Ryan Lamb. He is the editor and the other half of the company. Um, we're very unique for a media operation where the publisher typically in most, most instances is uh, – God, more or less, you know, what the publisher says goes. We're, um, with us, we split it 50-50. So the editorial is separate from, you know, the advertising, the business element, which is very unique and I'm proud of. And it, it, it's interesting because Ryan and I are old friends. We're high school, you know, buddies. We've known each other for years. We've been really good friends before we started working. Cool. Um, so it makes it interesting sometimes when, uh, 
you know, me being the publisher and one of my duties is ad sales and keeping our advertisers happy. When uh, it comes up where it's like, hey, we, I want to do this on the cover. Well, don't we can't do that. That's lame. You know, we we have a clash frequently. <laughs> where, um, uh-huh. <laughs> but it, what it does is it keeps us honest and not um, not lame. Where uh, you know you see a lot of magazines. Well, how did this article get in there? Oh, well, there's this big ad. Uh, right. We we try to avoid that as any way we can, and that's a big way we do it. Is uh, so Ryan's the other half of the company, uh-huh. and um, he would love to be here, but he is in front of a computer. Our beer week issue is coming up. It's uh, the next issue will be for November. So um, wow, Ryan could not make it. He sends his regards. Thank you. I, I it was great. We met and talked a while ago, and and I just love learning about what you guys are are up to. So I'd like to talk about beer week a little bit down down the road here, but. Um, you know, the, the, the distinction you're making between editorial and, and the business side of the company is really interesting. We, we have the same structure with Edible, you know, and uh, it's something that not everyone understands about the world of media today. So, Mike, from your perspective, you know, what would you like to share with our listeners about, you know, how, how media companies are deciding what stories to tell locally? It, it's – well, it's tough. Um, you know, for us – we are – media companies, they, they feel like they need to be psychic and people expect them to be psychic when really we're just doing our best to keep up with everything. Um, and so what I guess, you know, from a reader's perspective is how do, you know, how do we pick stories? Well, a lot of people reach out to us. That's the function of PR firms is kind of as lobbyists to media companies. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we just do our best. We, we, you know, our job is kind of to stay on top of everything and we fail. Uh, there's so much going on. We get, but we try to get the best stories that we can, and um, a lot of that is being, you know, people ask us. They're like, "Hey, we're doing this cool thing. Can you write about us?" And then a lot of it is us bugging people. Uh, you know, poor Ryan. I, so I have to bug people for ads, but poor Ryan has to bug people just as hard hmm. to get them to pick up the phone to answer a question. And it's a little, fr- it is frustrating, but it, you know, it, it's a job. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But just getting people to respond is half the battle. And um, you know, this isn't because people are mean or anything it's they're busy sure. our, our bread and butter is small business owners and they're doing a million things and i i can absolutely relate to that so it's not you can't get mad at anybody you just got to be persistent mm-hmm. so how do stories get happen i mean you know the stars align people respond to us so they're doing something cool mm-hmm. of value that's the that's the number one and um so if someone's doing something cool and they respond to emails then that ha- that's how it happens yeah it kind of comes together um, well how it doesn't happen is um with us at least is that uh People don't come in and buy a huge ad, and then they get the cover. We uh, we don't do that, right? And um, yeah, that, that's rare these days. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And okay, so uh, taking a little bit of a deeper dive into into your business, the the new name of the company reflects the, the you know a really interesting evolution. And could you just break out for us a little bit? Uh, there, first, there was the West Coaster, and and then San Diego Beverage Times, and it just explain to us how those two relate to each other and, and you know, because it's part of how people will be able to follow up from the episode today and, and you know, know where to go online and where to find you. Yeah, it's our little it's our little universe we've created and it is uh, confusing for outsiders. <laughs> so we um, <laughs> West Coaster is the original one. It started as a beer magazine in 2010. And um, in 2016, we launched San Diego Beverage Times. It's a separate publication, a separate business, separate venture. Um, and for two years, San Diego Beverage and West Coaster were independent of each other where West Coaster just covered the beer industry, mm-hmm. all beer. And San Diego Beverage covered everything else, the local wine, the coffee, uh, spirits, kombucha, so on and so forth. Uh, basically, we wanted to cover all things produced in San Diego that you drank. 
Um, as the years moved and uh, everything progressed, uh, we found that people that were in West Coaster wanted to be in San Diego Beverage, and people that were in San Diego Beverage wanted to be in West Coaster. Hmm. Um, and then, from a you know managerial standpoint, it was, uh, it was a lot of work running two magazines. We uh, we had expanded before up into the LA area, so we knew how hard it was to operate two magazines. And uh, you know we wanted to try it again, and, and we did. It, the, I'm proud to say the product stood on its own. You know, it's the new venture, San Diego Beverage Town was distinct and different and profitable. Mm-hmm. But for simplicity on everybody's part, we decided to combine them. I see. So we're in the process of, um, you know, San Diego Beverage is still around, but we wanted everybody knows West Coaster, where everybody was kind of getting introduced to San Diego Beverage, and so um. Now we're just combining. It's West Coaster Beverage News. We're just one one operation to cover everything, much like what Edible does with food. And right. Really, just simplifying it so that um, you know, making it easier for everybody. We're uh, easier for us to produce the thing and easier for people to follow. Is there eventually going to be a, a new website with a new name? We are working on that. We are. We have a killer two killer websites, yeah. and so on the digital side, we're. We're letting them be independent of each other. We're running both right now, parallel. Okay. So, um, you know, the, both the websites are awesome, and we're some of the contents overlapping. It's kind of a mess online, to be honest. But um, it, it's a uh, <laughs> well. There's a there's a lot there. A yeah, lot it, it's it's we're but we're starting to you know put in some some non beer stuff on the West Coaster, and starting to retweet and reshare and re Instagram. You know, on West Coast's property, non-beer stuff, and uh, you know, but then San Diego Beverage is still posting story. You know, it's it, we're running it parallel online. It's much easier to, in the digital world to maintain two different properties hmm. than it is in print. Uh, the print is a very expensive uh, endeavor. Yeah, tell me about it. It's a it's <laughs> yeah. a it's a prime asset. You know, um, and, and in today's world, though, it, you know, uh, they call print you know legacy media in some contexts, and that whole idea that. Print is dead. It's just it's just not true, you know. Um, I think especially with how all of us spend so much time on, you know, with uh, electronic screen time, that it's uh, it's especially cool when we can take a minute and have a magazine or a book in our hands and kind of delve into the content a little bit more. Yeah, and it's I we're I use myself as an example a lot just from experiences. That, you know, I'm I'm a millennial, so we started this thing when I was 23, mm-hmm. and I'm a, my screen doesn't leave me. I have a smartwatch and blah. I, I got a Kindle. I mean, I I'm, I'm looking at a screen. I'm looking at a screen right now. The timer. <laughs> um, you know, not a not a second goes by. I'm not looking at a screen. So it is. Um, it's cathartic. It's therapeutic to not have a shiny LCD screen look at you. And um, I believe that's part of our strength as, as print media producers, you and I and all the, everybody else, and is having something you don't have to plug in or it doesn't glow at you or yeah. beep at you. It just – you read it, you put it down, you pick it up when you want. It's not – um. You could take it into the sauna. You could take <laughs> you know, could take it to the beach. You don't have to worry about it. it it's so print media still has a place. I agree. Um, and you look at books verbatim. Still, it's going gangbusters in North Park. Yeah, people still read, man. And I'm I'm happy to say that uh, we're uh, we have a, a product that people like to read, and that's a that's a a privilege and it's a responsibility in this day and age. Isn't that cool? Yeah, it's really it's really true. Uh, I, I I I know what you mean about that. We take our our roles seriously, you know, looking for the right kind of stories and and uh, thinking about what people want to know and need to know. It's it's uh, it's, it's pretty awesome. And actually, on that note, here we're we're uh, coming up on on Beer Week, and San Diego County has somewhat of a recipe as being a you know beer capital of the world. And and um, let, let's just delve into that a little bit. Um, you know, 
What what can you share with us about how that came to be and, and what's going on in, in our region with regard to beer? Just talking about that for one moment. Well, we were fortunate enough to get in on the ground floor of what is the third renaissance of San Diego beer. The first would have been at the turn of the century, the late 1800s, the 1900s. That was really the first boom. San Diego was a beer spot. You think of our geography, uh, we're right on the border of, you know, we're the most southwestern part of the United States. We're a huge port town. Um, this is the Wild West, man. And it's, uh, you can't get more west or south than this. <laughs> so we kind of have to make our own things happen here. And that's so, San Diego does have a rich history as a, a producer. And um, so beer has been around. That's uh, the first wave was, you know, the 1900, the turn of the century, like I said. Second wave came uh, the 70s and the 80s when we saw. A lot of now we consider them legacy brewers, like Carl Strauss, show mm-hmm. up. And, um, you know, the early 90s were big. And so we, then, you know, Ballast Point and uh, White Labs showed up. White Labs was instrumental. They create the yeast. We, we create one of the most important ingredients here in San Diego with White Labs. Yep. Um, so, and then we, so we got it in the third renaissance. And uh, that, that was uh, 2008 to uh, – I'd still say it's still going. We're, we're definitely on the, the waning end of the – the boom, but it's that's not to say the sky's going to fall and every brewery is going to close. It's just going to be now. This is part of our DNA, mm-hmm. where it's a you know it's like growing into a new pair of shoes. Um, so that's where we started. We were lucky to get a front. We couldn't have started if we tried to start this thing today. We'd be overwhelmed. When we started, there was barely thirty breweries in uh, 2009, 2010, and uh, now there's 150. I can't. I seriously can't keep count. We have it on our website, and I, it changes. Um, breweries are, they're tough. They come and they go. It's like a restaurant. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not, um, it's, it's not a guaranteed thing. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, sometimes they close unfortunately and they open all the time and you, who knows? It's, um, it's very fun to watch. Mm-hmm. So with Beer Week, uh, that's the product of the San Diego Brewers Guild. Right. And the Brewers Guild really became super organized, I would say, with, um, well, with the hiring of a woman, Paige. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paige is the, the overlordess of, uh, the baroness of, uh, the San Diego Brewers Guild and um, you know she's got a great team behind her. Caitlin is also there. They um, these women are they, they work for Carl Strauss, but they also keep the guild in line. And um, I was I was fortunate enough I helped I was in charge of marketing for the San Diego Brewers Guild marketing Beer Week from 2011 to 2014 or 15. Okay. Um, and I was the media buyer, so I was buying billboards and ads and other magazines and. Um, uh, making sure that the word got out with paid media. Uh, we also had a great team of the PR mavens on, you know, they bird is the most recent one along with paradigm. Mm-hmm. Those two PR companies are in charge of uh, marketing. Now it's gotten big, mm-hmm. but I, I was lucky enough to kind of help it along during the formative years. And, um, it, the, 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 so beer week is 10 days. It's much like restaurant week where it's just a confederation of events. Mm-hmm. There's two main events, one at the beginning, one at the end, the, uh, the, the, Guild Fest, is, as it's known, is down at Embarcadero South. Uh, you know, it's a huge beer festival. It's mm-hmm. it basically, if you want to see what's happening with the local beer scene, that's where you want to go. Um, and then at the end, you have uh, the, the Logitory Pines, which is a much smaller, more intimate. And that's the, as much of a food showcase as it is a beer yeah. um, showcase. And that's, um, that's the 11th. So the first and the 11th. Are those two uh, the bookend events as they're known? And then throughout that, everyone else is going crazy. So if you serve local beer, you're going to be doing events. Bars will be doing events. They'll be breaking out their uh, 
their sellers, you know, the good bottles that they've been stashing. They'll be putting awesome things on tap. Brewers will be coming in from out of town and putting on events. Uh, Fathom does a great event where they host uh, a bunch of different breweries from, you know, like Avery and uh, it's anybody that's anybody really. It's a who's who of brewers comes in and um, they fish on the pier where Fathom Fathom Bistro Bait and Tackle is located on Shelter Island. And that's – um. They do this great event where they you get to fish with the brewers. That's what it's called, fishing with the brewers. Wow. Um, Hamilton's does the fling. That's a frisbee golf tournament. Uh, frisbee golf is the uh, disc golf, excuse me. Like Morley Field, that's the de facto sport of uh, San Diego Beer. So they do a tournament where it's all the industry guys. There are a lot of really cool – I mean, Colby Chandler works at Palace Point, and he's one of the, the main brewers there, and um, he's really good at disc golf. So you're you're, wow. you're throwing discs and you're sipping on beer, and it's – you know, you got to take the day off. It's like – eight o'clock in the morning but they feed you and uh it's a lot of fun there's so stuff like that happens just all throughout the week and um it's cool that is so amazing and i mean there's really you know with the diversity of events there's really you know it's designed to be something to appeal to lots of different kinds of people whatever your your interests are there's something there for you and and it's celebrating that local industry yeah it, and it's it's a it, it's exact exactly what it's supposed to be is promoting awareness for because there's so many people that just have no idea as big as you know i gotta keep reminding myself this too as as big as this beard thing is there's there's a lot of people that have no clue yep um and the same that's why we wanted to cover the other beverages people don't know there's coffee they don't know there's 117 wineries in town they don't know so it's um you gotta our job is to beat people over the head with it but gently yeah, yeah, um, and just to keep keep the messages going. Same thing happens with food that I think you know f- folks are used to shopping in a grocery store or, or they don't eating, think about it. eating out, and just kind of don't thinking twice about where the food comes from or the the beverage. And there's such a richness of, of breweries and distilleries and farms and fishermen here. I mean, it's it's uh, you know it's exciting to to share about them. But I I just wanted to make sure I had the number right. I was looking up the uh, the economic impacts of the beer industry in in San Diego County. One point two billion dollars last year. It's just it's it's amazing. It, the, uh, a group of people groups get together um, and and look at this this uh, kind of uh, you know monetary impact each year. I've been to some of those meetings. It's just really incredible all the ripple effects that that you know that that beer has in our region, um, giving a lot of people work and um, you know th- there's been so much innovation that's that's you know carried out by San Diego County brewers that really become leaders in the field internationally. It's something really to be proud about. I, I couldn't agree more. I think um, you know it's the ancillary stuff. It's not just the beer in the glass. How does the beer get in the glass? Well, it came on a truck, the distribution truck. Well, distribution. Well, there's a distribution company. Well, that means there's a warehouse that's refrigerated. Um, that you know they picked it up from the brewery, and there's a sales guy that had to go sell the beer. All these all these little jobs that are powered by humans, local humans. That um, <laughs> real people. You no, know, and that's but but it all comes to that moment where you. Look at a beer and you order it and you get it in your glass. So getting the thing to the glass, I mean, that, there's a whole lot of stuff that people just th- – but, you know, that's the beauty of it. You, they want to make – you've got to make it as easy as possible. So um, – and that's, again, going back to Beer Week, that's, um, you know, people come in from out of town. Beer tourism is a real thing. Yeah. And, you know, you come into San Diego, you're going to be drinking. Okay, fine. you got to eat. Where are you going to eat? Local restaurant, hopefully. Yep. Um, where are you going to stay because you're not driving? Um, so you're going to take a Lyft or Uber and then – you're maybe a brewery tour bus, um, then you're going to stay at a hotel. So all this stuff is, um, you know, money coming into our local economy. And sure. uh, it's cool. It's it's just it's one more, you know, 
a, a feather in the hat of San Diego with the what is okay. So the the main tourist attraction of San Diego are the zoo and SeaWorld and Wild Animal Park, but number five is Stone Brewing Company in Escondido. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. In terms of places people wow. come and visit, it's. It's um actually I got I got to look up those numbers because now they have Liberty Station, so they might be splitting the <laughs> splitting the numbers there. Well, that's why they opened it. I mean, it's yeah. it's much more centrally located. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's so cool. There's there's so much to talk about here, and you know one one thing that I'm thinking about is uh, just like that moment when folks are out grocery shopping or or deciding what to eat, you know, or order um, for you know for lunch or dinner. Mike, what what would you like? people to think about when it comes time to to order a beer in San Diego, you know, like um, how can we leave folks with some kind of actionable things to think about or, or points to remember um, about the, the local beer scene here in San Diego County? I think it is important to be forgiving um, and okay. realize that this is the craft, what the, the word craft means is human. And that, um, you know, okay, you went to a place and maybe it was too busy or maybe, you know, not to just get angry and go on Yelp and just tear someone. You, you got to be, you got to give places a chance. You got to give people a chance, maybe more than one. Uh, God knows I've been given more than one chance in my life. So, you know, if I, for me, if I'll try, like I'm, I'm sipping on Trident Cold Brew here. And I remember the first time I tried it, I got a can of cold brew coffee. I'm like made in Imperial Beach. And um, I remember it was warm and I didn't, I didn't care for it. But then I was like, oh, I bet I should probably try that cold. Mm-hmm. So you really got to you got to put on your like human hat and not your American entitled consumer hat. I guess mm-hmm. is um, it's something I struggle to do. That's for sure. Is uh, you know, I, I can be super critical of everything that I'm, and I, I am. But at the same time, you got to be a little a little willing to, you know, give it a chance. And sometimes it won't take on the first time. Like mm-hmm. a, you don't go to a restaurant on opening day and expect it to be. Right. All all in. You got to it, – it's an organic thing. It's got to grow. It's got to it's, – it's human, you know. So, you know, with um, with breweries, I'll go in right when they open and then I'll go back in six months. I'll go mm-hmm. back in a year with with wine. You know, all this stuff, coffee, you know, I try to give things multiple shots to really get a, a picture of what it is versus, you know, forming an opinion right away. Yeah. And I think that if you want to be a good a good, you know – well, person, but a good, um, a good consumer and support and be, you know, not just a, a consumer, but like someone that's involved with the local scene, you know, come at it like that, you know, yeah. come at it with that kind of mindset. Not, not that you should put up with mediocrity and you should put up with bad things, but, um, you know, just be open to it it be open to non-perfection and the, the fact that, uh, things yeah. can, then things can get better and things can improve and, um, don't just go and try something and then, it wronged you slightly and then you, you tear it down online. I mean, that's, it's, it's really kind of heartless. I've seen it happen too much. It's almost like, you know, kind of how we maybe would ideally be with people, right? You know, you, you kind of get to know a person over time, you give them a chance, you kind of take a little bit of the long view, hopefully. And, yeah, and it, I, it, I love that, that approach. It's, it, it, it is the, that's what the craft means is that it means it's organic. It's human. It's, it's not a faceless entity that's mass producing something for your, you know, consumption. This is yeah. something that a human made for a human to consume. And, um, yeah, I really learned that the Linkery was a great restaurant in North Park. Yeah. So, um, yeah. really part of the North Park Renaissance was spearheaded by, uh, Jay and the Linkery and that, that place. So that really taught me to kind of look behind the, yeah. the, um, 
you know, read the label, <laughs> see what's going on and think about it more than just, oh, this is a thing that I'm drinking right now and versus like, where did this come from? When was it bottled? Yeah. What's in it? Who made it? You exactly. Know. That, you know, uh, looking, looking beyond, you know, the, the, the beverage or the, the thing that we're eating as a commodity and thinking about the people that made it happen. I mean, th- those are the stories you tell. Those are the stories we tell. It's, it's what makes it special and unique. And- it, it is. It's part of being on this crazy rock. And, uh, but it is dangerous because then you, you can't stop thinking. You know, it's like, oh, you start thinking about the chicken when you're eating the chicken sandwich. And <laughs> I mean, but that's what you got to do. It, that's, it's real. It's never, all connected. It's, it is real. Never, never be scared of reality is a quote I try to be, live by. And um, yeah. it's, sometimes it works. Keeping an open mind. And, and, you know, it's a story that we're telling all the time with Edible, you know, this uh, invitation to folks to uh, to try something new. You know, we've got so yeah. much going on in this area in terms of things to eat and drink. And it's fun. It's it, really fun. It's like meeting new people, you know. It's and it's like, so easy to get set in your way. I mean, where do you want to eat? That question comes up and you're like, oh, man, you can't think and you got to just come up with an answer. But if um, what I do is I keep a list mm-hmm. so I can never think of what I want when I'm hungry. Or when I want to go out, when in the moment, I'm terrible. So what I do is I keep a list on uh, – I use Google Maps uh-huh. of list places I want to go and try or taste or things. And then so when that question comes up, I automatically go to that. Oh, that's a where good idea. I build, it, I build it up in the moments where I have the free time because on the spot, I'm horrible. So um, that's how I, I'm able to try a lot of – you know, I love I love going out to eat as much as I can, as much as I can afford. Right. Um, and uh, yeah, that's how, I, that's how I, I, I try to break out of the – we're creatures of habit, you know, especially when you're hungry, you're like, okay, what's going to work? Let's go. Right. And, um, you know, it's important to, for me to, uh, you know, branch out. And uh, I love that. That's a really, a really handy tip, a way to kind of like, yeah, you know, it, capture, like people are hearing, uh, you know, names and, and places here in, in this podcast and they could note it down on the list and have it ready when, when they're hungry or thirsty and, and yeah. then they're good to go. <laughs> so yeah, I like I, Eater, Eater comes out with an article. I love what Candice was doing on Eater. And so I'll go, oh, that's a great spot. And then I'll immediately put it on my note. I use Google Keep as well. Mm-hmm. So Google Maps, Google Keep, just something where I can um, remember it when the moment of truth comes. Right. I love it. Well, that's a super handy, handy hack. I, I love it, Mike. And hey, I, you know, I, we could talk about this stuff for hours. I, I, I'm going to view today as the first of a series of conversations about beverages, okay? Sure. Let's let's do it. You know, the podcast is just kind of getting off and rolling. And, um, uh, you know, the work that you and Ryan do, it's so it's so awesome. It's so dynamic and and so integral to the you know the 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 lifestyle here in San Diego County for those of us who are lucky enough to live here or folks who want to visit so well, edible inspired us so well thank you thank it's, you for recognizing us because um you bet man it's a, edible you know, was an inspiration for uh, we wanted to do what edible does for food but for beverages and uh yeah thank you you bet you bet so so thank you for coming here and as i say we'll have you back and and dive into some of these topics more and just Kind of have a good time there. So thank you, Mike. Uh, Mike Shess is the publisher of West Coaster Beverage News. Want to get that name right. And uh, uh, look look them up online and um, in print out and around the county for – WestCoasterSD.com. That's it. All right. Excellent. Thanks, Mike. Thank you. All right. So changing gears here real quick, I just wanted to wrap up today's podcast with my little uh, 
hack for the day. I always try and share a gardening or cooking tip with everybody. And now that it's coming to be fall, I wanted to share uh, what's my little secret for making soup. Um, it really couldn't be easier, and I wanted you to just kind of have this in mind when uh, you could hang out at some farmer's market or you're in the aisle of the grocery store, and, and it'll kind of embolden you to, to try something new. <laughs> so um, really, um, all you need to make some really delicious soup is a few things. You're going to need some vegetables, some seasonings, some liquid, and a blender. And in just a few minutes, you'll be sitting down to a steaming bowl of delicious soup that you just made. It's something that's Fast and easy, even on a weeknight or if you're having people over. Okay, so the details. What you do is whatever vegetable we're talking about, whether it's a cauliflower or zucchinis, carrots, tomatoes, any kind of vegetable that you like, cook it until it's just barely tender. So that means, you know, cook it enough so that it's like like not quite raw but not quite fully cooked because it's going to cook a little bit more at the, at the end of the recipe. So just barely cook those vegetables and put them on the side. Um, I often like to add onions when I'm sautéing the vegetables or um, or roasting them because it adds a nice flavor. But you know, add whatever you like there. And um, so then you've got your their first component of the recipe with the vegetables. Then what you do along the way is you're seasoning that vegetable to your taste. Some people like more salt, less salt, um, cayenne, you name it, any kind of seasonings that you like. And um, this is where you can get some nice seasonal variety in your in your vegetables, like depending on what's uh, growing out in your garden or at the farmer's market at that time of year. Okay, so that's the first component, the vegetables. The second component is the liquid. Um, you need some kind of liquid, whether it's water, cow's milk, cream. I like to use full cream when I make soup. Um, you could use a nut milk or maybe some soup stock or broth that you might have, whether you made it or you bought it. That's fine. So what you do is you take the vegetables that you just cooked, put them in a blender, and add your liquid, being careful to leave plenty of space at the top of the blender, okay? And that's important because when you put the lid on and start the blender, you don't want the liquid to shoot out of the top, okay, which I must say I've, I've done more than once or twice. So make sure you leave plenty of margin there at the top. So start slow, blend it gradually, um, stop it. Take a, a, a little spoon and test it for um, the, the concentration. Like some people like soup thicker or thinner than others. You can season it along the way. And um, when it's to your liking, you take it out of the blender and carefully pour it into a saucepan where you warm it up on the stovetop just a little and you can serve that. Enjoy it with crackers, with salad, with some croutons on the top. Um, pumpkin seeds, whatever you like, and you have a super nutritious, easy, fast, and I must say, Mike, somewhat impressive meal to share with your loved ones because it always ends up looking really good and it's so fresh. So um, I wanted to also mention that uh, when you do this, it's really easy to store some extra in um, a glass container um, and either refrigerate it or freeze it, and you'll have a homemade meal for down the road. So that's called batch cooking, and I always say, you know, if you're going to be cooking a little bit at home, you might as well make just a little bit extra and you've got some some ready-made meals for for down the road. So anyway, that's my soup cooking hack for the day, and I, I hope you give it a try and let me know how that works for you. Totally customizable, and I, I guarantee it's it's it really is doable for all of us, as busy as we all are. So anyway, I just want to thank you for listening to this episode of the Living Local with Edible San Diego podcast. I, I wanted to take a minute to also invite you to connect with Edible San Diego on social media. We have a monthly newsletter, and on the website are many resources that will 
enrich your good life here in San Diego County. We have recipes, lots of stories, um, links to other episodes of the podcast, and like I say, lots of good resources for living the good life here in San Diego County. And uh, lastly, I did want to thank again Specialty Produce for sponsoring this podcast. We're so privileged to be able to, uh, to tape these sessions here, and we really appreciate that. So with that, we are done for today. This is Katie Stokes signing off, uh, publisher of Edible San Diego. Take care, and we'll see you soon.